Welcome to Cowboy Jim's Stories Around the Campfire. One of the things I got to do when I was a bit younger, and a lot of it was in Colorado, was, first of all, some hunting, which many of you have done, and I'm going to relate a couple of those stories that were not so successful. But I also spent time as a guide for big game hunting. A friend of mine had a business, and I worked for him for two or three years uh, during the fall, just helping guide and helping set up camps. Probably the hardest part of what I did was guiding people in hunting because you're trying to help them find a place where they can shoot and kill an animal that they want. Usually it's elk that we were going for, although there were some good deer in the area and we did that as well. One of the worst that I had, and it, it was a, a trial, I will say, I was supposed to take two guys on a trophy hunt for elk especially, but there were some deer, so they were willing to do both. So it's just the two of them. I brought them up until the area some, uh, Turkey Creek, and we went all the way up to Turkey Creek Lake to set up our camp there. And from there, then we were going to hunt over in a couple of different locations, Rainbow Basin being one of them. Uh, these guys, one of them was from South Africa. Very interesting fellow. Not an easy person to like, I must say. He was probably the most prejudiced person I've ever talked to as he told stories about where he lived. It just wasn't pleasant at all. But he was evidently a big game hunter, had several records, and he wanted a big bull elk to go along with that. And the other guy was from Louisiana. I would say the one guy was from South Africa. This other guy was from South Louisiana. He was much nicer, easier to get along with, and just wanted to have a good time and was hoping to get a nice big elk or deer. So we went on up the trail. The, the first night, we got Turkey Creek to a place where we needed to just stop for the night. And so the tent that I used there was not one of the big canvas ones. It was just a bigger tent that you might use for car camping now or something like that. So I set up the tent, uh, got everything ready, took the horses across the creek to a place where there was some good feed and hobbled them, make sure they couldn't get away. And then my job as a guide was also to prepare the meals, get everything ready. So after setting all that up, I got a fire going and it was a cold, cold night. The cold would just kind of go right through you. And so we're gathering around the fire as close as we can. Yet I have to have room to go ahead and cook the meal. I don't even remember what I was cooking. We usually, we usually had some sort of stew that we would cook for a night like that and have biscuits. And it was, it was really good. But sitting there by the fire, trying to get everything warm, it was so cold that I would set a pan of water off to one side from the fire just a little bit. So, you know, to add to things or I was getting ready to make some hot coffee and hot tea. And, and it was cold enough that it would start skimming over with ice there right away. 
it was uh, it was very cold. And so after we ate, of course, these guys from South Africa and from South Louisiana, they are super, super cold. I was used to it a little bit. I mean, I certainly was cold, but I had on good clothes and kept things dry. And so when it was time for them to go to bed, they got in the tent and we had really good sleeping bags, really good. I had told them that, you know, the best thing to do in a sleeping bag like that is to, you need to take most of your clothes off because you know how a sleeping bag works. The way it keeps you warm is your body heat heats up the air inside that bag and the out, the bag keeps the air warm and traps it against you. Now, the first couple of minutes are quite chilly when you do that, but they didn't want to do that. They put on every piece of clothes I think they had and crawled into the sleeping bag and laid there all night. I don't know how much they slept, probably a little bit, but it was, it was really cold. I did what I had suggested. I stripped down to my shorts I always put my pants and shirt that I'm going to wear the next morning kind of underneath me so that they're kind of warm in the morning. But uh, after the first couple of minutes of kind of cold in the sleeping bag, I was toasty and I went right to sleep. It was so cold that in the morning, I would always wake up early and get a a coffee pot going. And so I had a nice little stove in the tent right next to me there. And I filled up the coffee pot and had it all ready to go. And then what I would do, I'd just kind of sneak my hand out of the sleeping bag, turn on the stove and let that coffee get going before I had to get up. I woke up that morning and it was probably five o'clock and I reached over to turn on the stove and I, something wasn't quite right. And I reached up and grabbed a hold of that coffee pot and realized that it was frozen solid. All the water in it, it was just one big chunk of ice. And so I, we didn't have early morning coffee. I had to get up, get that ice out of there and uh, start all over again. We were sleeping actually on our horse blankets and that was to insulate us from the ground and that works actually very well. I think we also had some other insulate pads underneath us, but uh, those guys were really glad to get out of that camp. It was a cold, cold camp. So we made breakfast, I made breakfast, got the horses already, got the packs ready. And it was really fun to do the pack. It would take me a while to do it now, I'm sure, but to get everything on a pack like you want and then to hitch them on with a diamond hitch or double diamond hitch that holds everything on, makes it comfortable for the animals as they're packing stuff because it's dead weight and you want it to be able to be solid to them and not just move around and wear them out. We rode the horses on up and had the two pack animals all the way up to Turkey Creek Lake and I uh, set up a, a good camp there and one that we were going to spend several days there and then go out hunting. And so we got everything ready. Had this, I went and cut some wood and uh, again had a fire. By the time we got up there, it was pretty late. And so the next couple of days, the plan was to go up early, to go up 
out of Turkey Creek Lake up over towards the Rainbow Basin because several other guides and hunters had seen some pretty big herds of elk that direction. And we all knew that in that area, there are some really big bull elk. And so I thought that would be a good plan. So I told them, you know, we're, we're going to have to get up really early so we can go up the trail so we can be up there over where we want to be before sunlight because we want to get set in place before the elk start moving or heading back to their, um, where they're bedded down. So they all agreed to that. I woke up the next morning, it was probably 4 o'clock, maybe 4.30. And this time I had the fire going and coffee going. And I tried to get the guys to wake up. And, and it, was, it was chilly out. It was cold. There was a little bit of snow on the ground. And I kept saying, guys, we got to get going. You know, I'm cooking breakfast here. We need to get going so we can get up there. And they did not want to get up. Here they are. They've paid big money in order to go on this trophy elk hunt. And they would not get up because it was too cold. And I, I did all I could. I mean, I, I can't shake them out of the bed, but I would talk to them. I would almost uh, holler at them, guys, we got to get going. We got to get, and they didn't want to. And finally, they got up, I suppose it was around eight o'clock or so. The sun was up by then. And uh, they got up, tried to get warm, got their clothes on, ate their breakfast, drank their coffee. And by the time we were ready to start going up onto the rainbow, uh, up the trail, it was close to 10 o'clock. They were two of the slowest people I'd ever seen. I told them, I don't think it's going to be any good leaving this late in the day, but we'll, we'll try it. We'll go up. So we got on our horses and headed up the trail. And the trail there is kind of long, not real steep, but a little bit snow covered. So we were having to take our time. The horses were having to take their time. And about halfway up, we weren't even to the Rainbow Basin yet, uh, where we needed to go. And the one guy, especially the one from South Africa, said, I don't think I want to do this like this. And I said, well, I mean, that's where the elk probably are. And this is how we have to get to them. And he, he just said, yeah, this is, I, I don't want, I don't want to do this. And the guy from Louisiana finally agreed. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'll go back. I and so I went back down to the camp with them. I, I was very confused. I found out later that this guy who supposedly, and I guess he was a big game hunter, had uh, several Boone and Crockett records in Africa of different animals. His idea of hunting was to sit around like in a Jeep or a truck or something and let people go find the animals that he was wanting to shoot and drive them towards him. And then he would get up and he would uh, sight in on them and shoot them. And then everybody else does all the work of, of skinning and everything like that. His job was just to shoot. He didn't want the work of going up on the horses, finding a place to sit. And it, it just wasn't what he was used to, first of all. And secondly, it was not anyway how you 
hunt elk or mule deer. So I didn't know exactly what to do. We got down to the camp. We had uh, our lunch a little later. We uh, had dinner. It was getting late. And I, I could tell it was really starting to cloud up. And it looked like there's going to be a storm. And that's all part of hunting up there like that. But these guys started to get really nervous. They said, we don't want to be up here. We want to go down lower. Because we were, you know, it's pretty high elevation there. We, we think we want to go down lower. We don't want the chance of getting caught in a snowstorm up here. So by then, it was really late. And so I was trying to help them out. So I quickly got everything down and loaded up on the mules, got the horses ready, and, uh, and headed down the trail. And I knew that it was going to get dark before we got down to the Turkey Creek Crossing, which is where the next camping spot is. But we were going, and along the way, as we're going along, they're a little bit saddle sore. They're kind of hanging on. And I stopped in one place right across. It's kind of across a little canyon there. But right there in plain sight was one of the biggest mule deer bucks I have ever seen. And I stopped and I tried to point out and I tried to point in a whisper and say, they're there. And uh, they were, they were so not paying attention that they, they didn't even get their rifles out of their scabbard and the deer took off. Well, they didn't want to stay. They didn't want to try to follow it. And so we kept going on down and it, by then, it was getting dark, and in fact, it did get dark, and we were still probably a mile, maybe a half a mile from where we were going to camp, and that trail is very narrow and drops off on one side going down into Turkey Creek, and I wasn't feeling too nervous about it. Horses have good eyesight. Uh, these were really good for night, and they knew where the trail was. They could feel it, but I'm moving along pretty slowly. And the guys behind me, they were cussing up a blue streak. They were terrified because they could kind of see where the, the trail dropped off down into the creek. It, and it was still a pretty good drop there. And as horses go along, as you know, sometimes they kind of stumble. They're not going to fall or anything. These guys were terrified. They were cussing out the horses. They were cussing out me. They probably were cussing out all of Colorado. And I said, guys, you were the ones that wanted to come down. And, and they were about ready to, to get off their horses or something. I said, probably not a good idea because this is a really narrow trail. And we have just a little ways to go. And at that point, we probably had, after they'd said that, and I had to kind of calm them down, probably in another... 200 yards, we got to where we were going to camp. And so I set up camp in the dark, got a fire going, uh, had a little bit more food and went to bed. It was, it was quite the adventure and it was a whole lot more than what they wanted. Next morning got up and it actually hadn't snowed that much. And a friend of mine came by, he was uh, helping with another camp over on the back side of the Rainbow Basin. And he said, Jim, he said, there's a, there's a herd of elk that goes right across this saddle right here. And he pointed, we're in the mountains. 
where right from where we were, we could see it. And he said, every morning there's this big herd of elk that go through there. He said, and we've seen some big old bulls. He said, be a good place to start. And so we, I was ready to do that. He read, he rode on up to his place. And so I got my guys as, and I told him, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up and we're going we're gonna to separate a little bit. I'm going to have one of us go up the trail here, just walk up there. It's about a mile up there. And you're going to find a, just a good place to sit there close to that saddle in the mountain. And you're just going to wait because the, the elk are, are going to come through at some point. And the other one, I said, the other one, we're going to walk. We're going to go up more to the, it would have been to the right of that saddle because that's where some of the game trails were and up that way. And we're going to go up there and just see if we can find where they're going and maybe come on where they're bedded down if we're there in time. So they agreed to that plan. The guy from Louisiana went up to the saddle and the guy from South Africa went with me. And, and uh, we walked a long ways that day up the, the one mountain trying to find trails and we would find a lot of elk trails but there was nothing fresh where we were it was a little disappointing that way and so it didn't turn out to be a good hunt for him in that way but i got the lay of the land and where things where they must be going then were not our way and so so i knew the other direction was where they were going and so we spent the whole day i came down Came down uh, the mountain one point. I was quite a bit in front of him. Found this great big hole in the ground. And I'll tell you about that later. Another time because I I felt like I'd found one of the abandoned mines of the Spaniards. And we got back to camp. We got back to camp. And there the guy from Louisiana was there. And I was a little excited at first. I thought I hadn't heard a shot. But wow, he must have he got something. And... And he said, no, nah. he said, I got up there. He said, I started walking up there and I I decided I just didn't want to do that. And he said, I just came back to camp here and, and he fished most of that day just there in Turkey Creek. He got some good fish. He actually found a really nice Nikon camera in the water. <laughs> it had fallen off of somebody's horse or pack saddle somewhere, but he just didn't want to go all the way up and wait for those elk. The sad part of that was my same friend came by later that day and he said, well, did you see him? He said, we saw him. We kind of pushed a big herd of elk with some huge old bulls right over that saddle. And uh, nobody was there to get him. It was not a really successful hunt. Uh, from that point, they decided they wanted to go in, and we packed things up and stopped the hunt. I think it was a couple days early. It was really hard. Again, the one guy was not nice at all, hard to deal with. He went in later to the one place where we did a lot of our shopping for, for guns and ammunition and everything, and he was telling about some of the things, and, and he was not accurate with what he was saying at all. And then the guy who sighted in guns, he'd asked him to look at it. And he said, well, your sight is loose. And the guy said, well, that's how we do it in Africa. That's just the type of guy he was. For those of you who hunt or have been hunting, I'm sure some of this brings up a lot of memories of where you've been and how you've hunted and 
things you've gotten or almost gotten. Hope you've enjoyed just these thoughts about hunting way up in the San Juan Range in Colorado. This is Cowboy Jim's Stories Around the Campfire. I'll see you next time.